Welcome. This is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. We want to thank you for taking time to listen to our Sun, Salt, and Light broadcast. We want you to know and grow in the Son, S-O-N, Jesus Christ, and be the salt and the light. We'd like to thank you so much for taking time to listen to this broadcast. We simply teach the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter, and we believe that God changes a life one verse at a time. I'd like to personally invite you out to come and see the church. Uh, it is a very casual atmosphere, and uh, but we do take the Word of God very seriously. We meet in a non-traditional church building. We actually meet at the BFW 3966 in Divine, Texas. It's located at 211 West College Avenue, big white building right next to the post office. Our service times are on Sunday when we go through the New Testament uh, at 10 a.m. And then on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. we go through the Old Testament. Uh, We have children's ministry available for both services. And if you need to get more information on the church, you can go to calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bible ready, today we'll be in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. The title of this sermon is, The Lord God called to man and said to him, Where are you? Part 1. Here is the second half of this two-part study. But you know what part of that is why God said he's not going to have you live past 120 years? It's because we are so wicked and evil. By the time we get to chapter 4 and on, it's a mess. It's a mess. Sin is devastating. The genetic makeup of Adam and Eve was perfect. It took time for that to be worn down. And for before there, because everybody's like, well, how come they're not, you know, how come people aren't, are living so so old, right? It's because there was no sickness, no disease. Their genetics were perfect. It took time for that to wore down. And then finally, God's had enough of it and he'll do the flood. They were created perfect. And we know that eventually the genetic code, it, it gets corrupted. Then death and disease starts to, to filter in. In verse 7 it says, Then the eyes both were open." And they knew that they were naked, and they, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. At this moment, that's religion. They sewed fig leaves together. That's man's way of fixing sin's problem. It can't be fixed. And something I was reading was like the fig leaves that they picked, they, these particular fig leaves had like thorns or, or little stickers. They were rubbing them. There's a reason you don't use fig leaves. But that was man's way of of figuring it out. In this moment, they're they're, they're in a a state of understanding that death was was emotional, relational, environmental, and ultimately physical. Adam and Eve sewed the leaves together. They were aware of their nakedness. And it was to mark an emotional death rather than life. And when they heard God approaching, they did what? They hid. They hid. And these two verses show the death about which God had warned Adam in, in, in chapter 2, verse 17. It's like in that day. And he's understanding that that was not an empty threat. He thought maybe, maybe God was just bluffing. Right? Maybe God's just bluffing. He's not really going to let us die. No, you're, you're going to die, dude. You're actually going to be removed from the garden as well. And we have to be very careful because a lot of us, for whatever reason, and a lot of people in this world think their sin has no consequence. You know, I had a conversation. I remember when, when, when my brother uh, 
my brother, he gave his life to the Lord right before he went into prison. And we had, I had a conversation with my pastor because I was like, man, his sin's forgiven, cast as far from the east from the west, but you reap what you sow. You need to remember that. You, look, the son of Sam gave his life to Christ. There's something out now that, that Jeffrey Dahmer gave his life to Christ. And you go, how in the world that sin was paid on the cross? Like for us, you go, I would never forgive that. But that's Jesus. But he paid the price for that. There he reaped what he sowed. You know, son of Sam as well. He spent his life in prison. He reaped what he sowed. There is a consequence for your sin. You're forgiven when you repent. But if you kill somebody in a car accident because you were drinking and driving, and you go, Lord, I, I just I need to get right with you, and you repent, you're forgiven. But you may still have a consequence from your actions. You reaping, you're, 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 you're sown into that, and you're going to reap the consequences of it. A lot of people don't understand that. They think, well, I'm supposed to be forgiven. Why, are, why is all this other stuff happening? It's like you, that's what you've sown into all those years. In our marriage, same thing. It took a long time because, man, that, that ground was hard. It was hard in our kids' hearts. It was hard in our marriage. And God had to soften that ground up. We reaped what we sown into. There was a, there was a, a consequence for what we did. And it took time for God to, to move. And yes, we were forgiven. We were forgiven. And for whatever reason, I thought, well, everything's supposed to just be fixed like that. Takes time. Takes time. The, the, the fun part is, is are you going to stay, stay with the Lord as you go through that? Because that's where a lot of people just give up. A lot of people give up. Like we, we expected. I was like, man, I don't know how my brother, if he's going to stay with this, if he's going to lose his faith in jail. He stayed with it. And then he got out of jail. And we were like, man, now he has access to, to alcohol everywhere. It's not like meth or something like that. This is alcohol. You can get alcohol anywhere. And we were praying, like, Lord, keep him. Keep him with you. God put him in a, uh, uh, the guy stuck him in an AA where he was at. And in that AA meeting, the, uh, what was funny is the, um, it was in a church. <laughs> and the guy who ran the AA meeting said, okay, well, if you're going you're gonna to attend my AA meeting, you need to sit in the back until church is over. And then we'll go have our AA meeting. My brother still attends that church. It's been 10 years. What's crazier is his wife struggled with addiction to a harder drug. And she went to a, um, she was facing some serious times. She was like, either you're going to go through rehab or you're going to lose your, your job with the federal government. And they went to a fireproof that weekend with Kirk Cameron. It was a, one of those fireproof for the marriages. And she gave her life to Christ. And she's been walking with the Lord for seven years now. God can do the work. Does she still struggle with the, the temptation of the, the drug at times? Yeah, so does my brother. But if, they, if their focus is on Christ and not on the other stuff, that's why it's important. We can, we can and it's important for us to remember that because we can, in our own, our own state, we can allow ourselves to get wrapped up in, in consequences of elections and stuff like that, and we can lose... The focus that God has us on. We can. 
And we have to remember what we're, what our call is. Your call is not to produce Democrats or Republicans. That's not what our call is as, as a church. It's to produce Christians, people that will follow Christ. So they felt the, same, the shame of their sin. But we know there's hope and salvation. And so when a sinner feels guilt or shame, right, uh, but the, there's, there's hope in that. If you're somebody who's struggling in sin today and you're going, I got to deal with this, that is the Holy Spirit working in you. You're His. And God is saying, look, I love you. Repent. Right? Repent. When, but when you have no remorse, you're in trouble. Because you're allowing that distance, you're allowing that drifting, you're allowing that separation of, of, of let me have time and space between the Word of God. Let me have time and space between prayer. Let me have time and space between fellowship. You choose not to come to church anymore. And you'll fall deeper and deeper into that sin because there's no remorse. And guess what? You'll be given over to that debased mind. It happens. It's sad when it happens. You know, people will reach out and, you know, they're fixing to do the, the Jesus movement, the, the story of the Jesus movement, Lonnie Frisbee. Great man of God. Samson of a man. That's what Chuck said. Spent a lot of years struggling with the sin. And, you know, you get to that place where your mind gets debased. And, but, man, you belong to God. And guess what? The pressure, the pushing... Whatever it is that God needs to do to get you to wake you up. And with Lonnie, it was AIDS. And he got right with God. It's sad that it had to be that. Some people, it requires a great pressing. But when you give your life to Christ, you're his. You're his. And if he has to take you home early to finish the work, so be it. You want to be a knucklehead and not want to do what you're supposed to do as a Christian? Look at Ananias and Sapphira gone done he'll take you up you don't have time like he don't that's what people don't understand like we have a god that that is a god of love but we have a god that's just we have a god that that as if we're sinners and we we're filled with the holy spirit and you have that shame it's like repent that's part of having the beauty of the holy spirit in us it's like telling us no don't do this walk away from this but when we get into that disobedience and we're dishonoring God, we allow that, that to drive our life, man, it creates distance. We have the beauty of having the guidance of God's Word. But, but not just that. You have the Holy Spirit that resides in you. It tells you. He tells you. Hey, <laughs> don't go down that road. Okay, hey, you need to turn back. You need to walk away. He'll, he will let you know. There's comfort in that. There's guidance in that. There's conviction of sin in that. In Romans chapter 3, verses 19 through 20, it says, Now when we know that whatever uh, the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. We're all going to be held accountable to God. Every one of us. For by no works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Law, the law gives us the knowledge of sin and the conviction of it. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, we know this verse very well. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. 
and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God breathed it to teach you, to reproof you, to correct you, and to place you on a path of righteousness. You get off the road, he's going to, let's get you back. You fall, let's get you up. He's going to put you back on the road to righteousness. But if you want to be hard-headed, and you want to be disobedient, and you want to create distance, He's going to let you do it. And let me tell you, there's a lot of Christians that have done that, and they've, they've placed themselves on a very wide road. And God is trying to put them back on the narrow path. Remember, Adam and Eve were given the opportunity to do what? Repent. What did Satan get? What did the angels get? They're, they're going to be judged. They're sentenced already. There's no road to redemption for Satan. There's no road for redemption for the angels that fell. But there's a road to redemption for you. For any one of us that choose to follow Christ. You have a road to redemption. But for Adam and Eve, they had everything they needed. They had choice. They had everything. Perfect in the garden. They chose the wrong thing. Their free will got them in trouble. You know what's funny is God doesn't owe you any grace. God doesn't owe you mercy, but He gives it. He gives it because He loves us, because God is love. He is a merciful God. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 16 and 17, it says, But they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of wonders that they performed among them, but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to slavery in Egypt. But you are God, you're, you're a, but you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. A God ready to forgive. Isn't that a beautiful verse? A God ready to forgive. A God that's gracious and merciful. Abounding in steadfast love. That's our God. That's our God. And we're all stained from sin. Every one of us. I think my, my Grace, poor Grace, I think she lied to Teresa this, <laughs> the other day. And nobody taught her that. But we're all stained with sin. She's four, four years old. Four years old and she already figured that out. And it's just a reminder how how sin affects us, even at a young age. Even at a young age. But God had a plan set because He's a God of grace and mercy. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. And that should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as the sons through Jesus Christ according to uh, the purpose of His will. Before Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. Right? What a beautiful verse that is. He chose us. He chose Him before the foundation of the world. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 8 and 10 it says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, this is Paul talking, but share in the suffering for the gospel 
by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of your works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He abolished death, which begins with Adam and Eve. Here they are in the fig, fig tree, you know, the plants. They've created something, which is religion. This is man's way of getting to God. This is the very beginning of it. But we have that foundational truth that Jesus was crucified and defeated death. That is your foundation. But we learned this past weekend. We just had the death of Christ. We'll be looking at the resurrection of Christ, not this Sunday, but the next Sunday. My son will be here to teach this Sunday. And we'll look at the resurrection. And we have the, the beauty of understanding that, that foundationally, that's, that's what we stand on. Because what Christ did for us on that cross is we learned about the suffering and the scourging, the mocking, the spinning, carrying a hundred pound beam across the back that would have been like hamburger meat, dehydrated, five to seven inch nails driven through the wrist and the feet. And he did that because he loved us. That's a foundational truth that we need to remember. That's why we simply just forgive, our, uh, to be forgiven of our sin is we just repent. What did Jesus say at the very beginning of his ministry? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That is the first words that he utters as he begins his ministry. Repent. Repent. And then their eyes of, of both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Sadly, this is their own attempt to cover themselves. And they're, they're, they're attempting to cover their nakedness. It wasn't a problem before the serpent showed up. Now it's a problem. And you think about it, their, their self-image starts at that moment in sin. They can't look at each other naked. they got to hide themselves and try to cover themselves with garments. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, it says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's what we're to put on, not fig leaves. You're a new creation in Christ. Act like it. I see so many Christians today, they... they they want to put the fig leaves of religion back on themselves and the legalism. You have freedom in Christ. Put on Christ. That's what you need to do. Put on Christ. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves for the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So now we have the impact of the couple's sin. Now God is looking for them. In the cool of the day, and the word for cool actually is roach, which is wind, the spirit. But we also need to understand that, the, the, that as we study this piece of scripture, the Lord God walking in the cool of the, uh, of the day, it's a, a verb of walking. It implies the use of feet, which, which gives us the, the, the only God, the Son of God, walking with Adam and Eve at this point. And the son knew what their couple had done already. There are appearances of Jesus in the Bible, and we need to make sure we understand as we study the Old Testament. They're there. And these are children now, the children of God, and they've fallen. 
He, he asked the question here that's it's really sad. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? That's the title of our sermon tonight. Where are you? God knows exactly where Adam is. He's not asking for himself because he doesn't know where Adam is. He knows where Adam is. He knows that Adam is lost. And he's like, where are you? Because that, again, goes back to what we talked about this weekend. Sin creates separation between you and God. If you have sin in your marriage, you're looking at something you're not supposed to look at, it begins to create separation in the marriage. And Satan begins to go to work in the marriage. Same thing with the friendship. It'll do the same. And God knows that Adam has blown the command. And yet Adam tries to hide himself. And we do the same thing. We try to hide our sin from God. And you cannot. You cannot. And that's the same thing we ask ourselves is, where are you? Where are you when it comes to my time in the Word? Where are you when it comes time for fellowship? Where are you when it comes time for worship? Where are you when it comes time for, for serving? Where are you? And when I look at this, I, first thing that always hits me because I taught men's uh, study for so long. Like, where are you men? Yeah, something's going to fall apart. I, I'm very funny about the men. Because you are, you're, you're called to lead your homes. God is asking, where are you in your marriage? Where are you as a father? It's, those are important questions that have to be answered. Adam's lost, trying to hide. And God knows exactly where he's at. In Psalm 14, verses 1 through 3, it says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if they understand, uh, to see if there are any who understand who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. When you read that, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. When I read that psalm, I just think of the life of a fool. Because I was that. I believe that, you know, I had a God that I had made in my head, a Christ that I had made in my head, that when I need something, I call and pray. My marriage is in trouble. Let me pray to Jesus. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. That was one that I made up. We have to understand that, that there are a lot of fools in this world today that don't believe in God, that need to know who God is, that He is a merciful God. He's a gracious God, one of steadfast love. They don't really worry about their accountability or where they're at in their life. And, and we see it, unfortunately, being played out throughout our, our world today and our culture. And so that's why the person who says there is no God fails to take God's Word seriously. For me, I, when I read that, and I, I say, man, only a fool is going to say, I'm, I'm a, a follower of Christ, but I don't open the Word of God up. You're not a follower of Christ. There's something that you've created. Because if you, if you put your hands to the plow, you're going to go. And you're not going to look back. You're a new creation in Christ. You're going to go through periods where you struggle to be in the Word of God because that's what Satan does. But when you completely disconnect from it, what's God in your life? Because it's not God's Word. And how do you hear from God is God's Word. And the fool, that's the life of a fool. 
And, and we see that so much today. There, the, you know, there's this, this new movement of, of progressive Christianity. And it's all about feelings and emotions. And it's that, that cruise ship mentality where you're supposed to be entertained. And you're supposed to come into a worship concert and be moved emotionally. And the guy comes up and he gives you a motivational speech about God's work. And they're blinded by, by the feelings and emotion. You know, when I read that, it, it says there, there are none good, no, not one. As, as we look at Romans chapter 3, verses 10-12, through 12, as it is written, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Even what we do, the filthy rags that we give, is tainted because of sin. Because of sin. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29, it says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find Him. If you search after Him with all your heart, with all your soul, you need to seek after Him. Isaiah 55, verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while He may, find, may be found. Call upon Him while, there, while He is near. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. And that, that seeking is for those, that invitation is for those that don't know God. Call upon Him. Do you have a conversation with somebody about God? And they go, man, I don't believe. Tell them, you know what, I'm going to pray for you right now if you allow me to do this. And I'm going to ask God to show up real in your life. He's going to show up in a way that you cannot deny Him. You pray that. And I guarantee you that's going to happen. Now whether that person chooses to follow God or not, but I guarantee you God will show up in a way that's so real they will not be able to deny it. But are we seeking God? Are we sharing God? Where are you? Where are you on the mission? The Great Commission. When's the last time you shared Christ with somebody? That's the problem with the church today. We're going to stop there. I know we've got more to cover. But again, we're going to go slow. Maybe the rapture happens and we don't get out of chapter 3. Okay? I remember I told you we're going to go slow. We need to take our time. This is the beginning of sin. This is the beginning of, of death. There's going to be driven out of the, the garden. There's going to be a penalty paid to pay for their sin. But God who's merciful, God who's gracious, and God who is, is steadfast in His love is going to take care of Adam and Eve. You think about it, they didn't deserve it. Because look, the angels and Satan, they were judged. There's no repentance. There's nothing they can do. They're done. But for us, because He predestined it before the world, before Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, He knew all of this was going to happen, including the point of sending His Son. What a great, great thing to share with somebody today. They need Jesus, okay? Turn off the TV. Let go of whatever happened yesterday. Move forward with Christ because Jesus is still in control, okay? He's in control. He's in control in Brazil. It looks like chaos. He's in control. Okay? He's in control. We need to trust that. He is a, a, a great God who is setting things up for His Son's return. And just because it doesn't work in your playbook, this is not what I planned. You're not God. He is. We need to remember that. Where are you? Where are you in your Word? And, and spending time in the Word? Where are you in fellowship? Where are you in serving? 
Where are you in your prayer time? Where are you in your marriage? Like you can use, like the Lord is asking that question. Where are you, Mike? That's what I got this week. It was like, boom, where are you? I'm here, Lord. And I need to confess my sins just like everybody else. I can be just as prideful as anybody. I can be hard-headed just like anybody my wife will tell you. I can be quick to answer when I should be slow to speak. And I need to ask for forgiveness for those things. Where are you? Are you going to be right here with me, God? Like, am I walking with you? Or am I trying to hide from you? Too many Christians are hiding from God. They're too wrapped up in their sin. I would like to thank you for taking time to listen to our broadcast. This is uh, Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. If you're someone like me who is, uh, listens to a lot of podcasts, you can also listen to us on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Audible, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, just type in Calvary Chapel uh, Divine and you'll, you'll be able to track us down. And lastly, I just wanted to invite you out to church. Uh, we are a casual church that meets in a non-traditional building, uh, meaning that we meet at the VFW 3966 on West College Avenue, big white building right next to the the post office. Uh, If you want to get more information about our church, if you need to ask uh, some questions or you even need prayer, just go to calvarydivine.org. And uh, we want to thank you again just for listening to this broadcast of Calvary Chapel Divine Texas, Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. God bless you. Have a good one.